Chris and Scott here tonight here, and uh, by way of internet here, I think our older folks crowd is going to be watching in here, of course. It, it's, uh, I'm just looking across the vast audience here tonight here, and I think I'm, the, I'm pretty sure, in fact, I'm positive, I think I'm the, the uh, oldest one in the room here this evening here, and we've got a young people's crowd here tonight, so just consider yourself a young person this evening. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. We will not be long tonight. I do have a lengthy message, but I'll just tailor it accordingly. And we'll get right to it here, of course. And uh, uh, I won't be able to pay attention to the, uh, the comments on the website here, rather the uh, Facebook Live. But we're glad that if you're just tuning in with us, to, that you're with us. And wherever you're from, whether it be Texas or Pennsylvania or Florida or where have you, uh, Maine or Massachusetts, we've got folks, I think, from all those states here that kind of watch us regularly. We're glad that you're on. And then, of course, our regular crowd. This is the first time we've had Wednesday night service, obviously, since this COVID began. And uh, I'm glad to get back up and running here. We had six Wednesday nights in a row before COVID hit, where we were in the book of Colossians. We were talking about Christ first. And uh, it's the theme of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And uh, we've looked at verses 1 to 15, and that was, again, about three and a half months ago. But we're going to go right to verse number or 1 to 14, rather. We're going to go to verse 15, and I'd like to read in unison with this crowd here tonight here. If you'd read with me, please. Obviously, I have the power of the mic. But let's read verses 15 and 19. Let's read them all together, and we'll preach tonight and teach from verses 15, 16, and 17 in just a few moments. Let's read the, all five verses, though, together. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 19, and reading in unison. Ready? Begin. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. May God has blessing to the reading of his word. We'll make our prayer here in just a few moments here, and we'll look at the preeminent Christ. The whole theme of Colossians is the preeminence of Christ. In fact, the, the central theme of the book is, um, is Colossians presents the all-supremacy, all-sufficiency, the uniqueness and the fullness of the person and work of Jesus Christ as the God-man Savior, the creator and sustainer of the universe, and the total solution for man's needs, both for time and eternity. It is a cosmic book. In other words, it's out of this world. <laughs> Amen to that. It's a cosmic book presenting the cosmic Christ as the creator, sustainer, who is also the only one and only redeemer, reconciler of the universe. So we want to look at Christ, our all in all tonight, the preeminence of Christ. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those that have been able to gather here tonight, Lord, on our first Wednesday night, Lord, since uh, this crisis has hit our country and hit the world. Thank you for each person that's here tonight, Lord, and it's um, pretty much of a young person's crowd, and we understand that, Lord. I pray you bless uh, our senior saints, especially, Lord, tonight, and those that... Uh, Lord, uh, shouldn't be here and are not here. We're, we're actually glad for that, Lord. We, until this virus passes, Lord, we give a pass to all of our senior saints for sure, dear God, those that have been compromised and 
Lord, but uh, I pray for those that, Lord, can come back to the house of God as we get up and running again, that you would bless, Lord, in your, this your church, and, Lord, in thousands and tens of thousands in the churches across America that are getting back up and running again, dear God. And, Lord, I pray you'd bless now in the minutes that we have around that wonderful word tonight, we pray, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 15 here in just a moment, these are the key verses of the entire book, not just of the chapter, not just of the passage in front of us here, but the entire chapter. And it's verse number 16 again says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were made by him. And for him, you'll find 12 personal pronouns for the Lord Jesus Christ. Interestingly, you won't find his name found one time in this passage of scripture. It talks about his son in verse number, his dear son in verse number 13, if you glance at your Bible. It's translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And then nine times or 12 times it talks about in, in uh, using the personal pronoun he in regards to Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn of every creature. Verse number 15 or Verse number 17, and he, there is again, he is before all things, and by him, another personal pronoun for Christ, all things consist. And he, there it is again, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him shall all fullness dwell. So we want to talk about the preeminence of Christ. What does that mean tonight? This book of Colossians was written to the church at Colossae originally. It was written to people that were being steeped in asceticism and Gnosticism, and we'll talk more about that in a, in a few moments here, Lord willing. But uh, it's a belief in uh, that matter is all matter is evil, and therefore Jesus Christ could not possibly be God in the flesh because that would be a contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction. That's one of the reasons for the book of Colossians is to rebut that fallacious argument because Christ is God, of course. And I want to give you, we have a fill-in-the-blank worksheet for you people that are on the Internet. You don't have that advantage, but you people that are in the pews here tonight, uh, I want you to write down, if you would, please, in regards to the central theme of Colossians. Jesus Christ is all, he's all in all. He's my all. The song says he's my all in all. Jesus Christ is all and in all. He, he, everything we have is because of Jesus Christ. Three things about the fact that he is all in, in all. Number one, or first bullet point, he is. He is. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? When Thomas asked him the question, and the disciple, or rather the Pharisees asked the question, thou art, in John chapter 8, they said, you're not yet 50 years of age. Uh, and he, Jesus said he knew who Moses was and Abraham was. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I said unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus used that delineation in our English, of course. We have two words, I am. In the Greek language, it's ego, ego I me, or the self-existent one. It's a name for Christ. It's the name for Jehovah God, rather. And we first see it in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was at the burning bush. And... Uh, he says, when Moses asked, who shall say, send me? He said, you tell them that I am that I am, send me. And Jesus said, I am. We have the seven great I am's in John chapter, in the gospel of John. Jesus is the I am. He is. Another verse, Revelation 1 and verse number 8. I am Alpha and Omega, Jesus said. The beginning and the end, ending, saith the Lord, which is 
and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus Christ is, he was, and he is to come, the Almighty. That's the reference to God Almighty. Jesus, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 8 says uh, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ has always been, he is. He never, there wasn't a time where he wasn't. There never will be a time where he will not be. He is. And so first of all, tonight, Jesus Christ is our all in all. He is, number one. Number two, he is not only he, he is, but secondly, he is life. He is life. He is the whole personification of life. John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Remember, he is our all in all. He is the all in all. He is life. John 1, 4 says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Every, in, in, in Jesus Christ, there's life. There is no life without him. By the way, there's no light without him. He's the light of the world. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So he's the life. He's the light of the world. So Jesus, he is our all in all. He is. Secondly, he is life. But thirdly, he is everything. Now, on your worksheet, you don't have a place to put it necessarily, but on a side leaf, maybe write down. I'm not teaching you pantheism, that God is in all places, and he's in the trees, and he's in the rocks, and he's in the forests and the rivers and so forth. Yeah, I'm not teaching you pantheism. I'm teaching you theism, that God is, that he's the, the existing one and the reason for all things. Uh, the, the theist, or the deist, rather, the deist, not the theist, but the deist, again, believes that matter is evil. And so therefore they make the wrong assumption that there's no way that God could become a man because Jesus couldn't be, if he's, he was the flesh, he was the created being. Is there false heretical belief system? But no, Jesus is everything. That means, and to fill in the blank the rest of the way, he is everything. There is no thing, not nothing, but no thing without him. There's no thing that without him. So he is, he's not the trees, but he made the trees. He's not the hills, but he made the hills. He's not the rivers, but he made the rivers. And he is, he is everything. Everything is here because he is. So he is, he is life. He is everything. And now let's get to our text now. If we begin, if we begin tonight here. Verse number 15, we're going to dissect verses 15, 16, and 17 in the time that we have tonight here. Notice, let me start in verse number 13. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Thank God for that. Even the forgiveness of sins. Who is, who, who, who is he referring to again? We're referring to, the king, to his dear son, verse number 13. Who is the image of the invisible God. That word image is our first word that we want to look at in detail. First of all, he is, in regards to everything, he is life, he is, he is, he is life, he is everything. He is first, fill in the blank. He is first in every way. He's first in every way. In verse number 15, he is the firstborn of every creature. Now that word, I've always said you non-Greek people know more, a whole lot more Greek than you think you know. It's the word proto. Not photo, but proto. <laughs> photo, light. Proto, first. Proto, tokos. First child. Now you say that's where the Arians get their false teaching that Jesus is the, the first created of God. Not so. 
He is the prototokos, or the absolute first. There's the fill-in-the-blank word. He's the absolute first. In John 1 to 14, you can quote verse number 1 for me. In John 1, 1, I'll start and you finish it with me. Ready? Here we go. Ready? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We quoted John 1, 3 and 1, 4 here just moments ago, but then we go to verse 14 for time's sake, and we see those words. And the word was made, what? Flesh. And we beheld his glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the word, in the beginning was the word, W, capital W. And the word was with God, but the word wasn't just with God, the word was God. And so we see this prototokos, the absolute first. There's other passages of Scripture that we won't take time to look at for time's sake here tonight. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, of course. And um, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and another sister passage. Verse 3 of Hebrews 1 says this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image Express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. Notice he purged our sins by himself. Jesus paid it all. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. He paid, he paid the price completely all by himself and sat down at the right hand of the Father, majesty on high. He was preeminent in his death. He was preeminent in his life, in his death, in his perfect atonement for our sins. He's preeminent in every which way. And so we see that word firstborn We'll come back to that in a moment here. But I want you to know, examine the word in verse number 15 again, the word now image. It's again, it's a Greek word that you know. It's the word icon. Well, we get our word icon from. E-I-K-O-N in the Greek language, or epsilon, yoda, kappa, uh, omicron, nu, or we know it as E-I-K-O-N. The image, and we get our word icon from. When we think of an icon, we think of an idol, or we, sometimes we think of a statue or an icon, an iconic figure. It means, the word image means, it's more than likeness, which would be superficial and incidental. Jesus just, wasn't, didn't, just didn't look like God, just didn't act like God. He was the express image. He was the prototype, and the prototype that embodies the essential verity of its prototype. In other words, it was the first, the first type. Jesus is the first type. He's the first, we call him, write this down in your worksheet somewhere, we call him the God-man. He was all man, but he was all God. He was very God and became man for us. Mystery of all mysteries. Granted, greatest mystery of God in this. God was manifest in the flesh. It's amazing. It's mind-boggling. There's never been a man like the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in John 14 and verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, that's to Philip, how long have ye, I, I known you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me, Jesus said, hath seen the Father. And why sayest thou, or how sayest thou, thou showest, showest us the Father? So in our text now, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, glance over the next page in chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says in verse number 9, For in him, there's that personal pronoun for Jesus Christ again, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead 
bodily. Now, Christianity, like Judaism, believes in one God, but we believe in a triune God. One God manifested in three persons, and here we see the Godhead. For in him we see, you see, well, it's a New Testament doctrine. No, it's an Old Testament doctrine. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the word Elohim. It's, the word, it's a plural word for God. Genesis 1.26, and let us make man in our own image. There we see the Godhead after our own likeness. Jesus, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Very important. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God manifested in three persons. Again, greatest mystery of godliness. Now, I want you to consider, and I don't want to get too deep here, but let me just belabor the point just a little bit. The Bible says in verse number 15, we looked at the word firstborn. We looked at the word image. Now let's look at the word invisible, who is the image of the invisible God. Well, John, John 4 and 24 tells us that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 18, after he, the, John the Revelator said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus said, and the Bible says, rather, no man has seen God at any time. We got a problem all of a sudden. It seems there was a perceived problem. Because Jesus was manifested in the flesh. The angel said, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. What do we do with this? God's invisible. Well, let me give you one more verse and we'll tie it together, hopefully. Romans 2, 1 and chapter 1 and verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. I said it many times. I can look out the window on both sides of our auditorium and I can see the beautiful landscape that we have and I can see the trees. And if I duck down, I can see the hillsides and so forth. I can see those things. I can see the beautiful sky and the grass and the, the field across the way here in the forest. I see those, see, see those scenes, I see God so clearly. I see him clearly. From the visible things of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. There's that word Godhead again. I can look out and I say, there's a God in heaven. I see him in his creation. He's there. And so we have this, Invisible God was manifested in the flesh. He was equal. I guess I didn't give you the word there, the, the sub-point here. You're taking notes if you haven't lost me. He's equal in equality. He's, he's rather, uh, he's first in every way. He's the absolute first, in, first of all, in equality. And then, then not only in equality, but then secondly, in supremacy. I want you to consider this. Look at verse number 15b, the latter part of the verse, one more time. The firstborn of every creature. Now, the Jehovah false witnesses, and I have to call them that, because I don't want you to think that they're actually Jehovah's witnesses. They think they are, but they've been misled. They use this verse right here to teach that Jesus was the first created of all beings. The word has nothing to do with first, firstborn or as we consider, think of the word or first created. It has to do with preeminent and the, the, also, uh, the eternally existent one. The, the, the phrase in Revelation 1.5, if you want a cross-reference verse, in fact, several cross-reference verses. In Revelation 5.1.5, he's called the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. Now let me ask you a question, class. 
talking to our audience now. Was Jesus the first one to be raised from the dead? Think about it. No, he raised several people from the dead, did he not? There's at least four New Testament occurrences where Jesus raised somebody from the dead before he was crucified. And so he was not the firstborn, firstborn begotten from the dead. There were others, the widow's son and one little son of Nain. Lazarus, he said, come forth. This is before he was crucified. Well, what gives? He's called the first begotten of the dead. He's the preeminent one of all. He's the, in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter, he's the firstborn. He's the, the, he's the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the most important resurrection there's ever been. He's the preeminent one. He's the, we're, when we get, receive Christ as our Savior, John 1, 12, we become sons of God. But he is the son of God. I am a son of God. Daniel, you're a son of God. Sonny, you're a son of God or a child of God. But Jesus is the son of God. Definite article. The, the one and only. The son of God. The God the son. So he's supremacy. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, first in every way. He's the absolute first in supremacy. That means in, in rank and privilege. In rank and privilege. There's uh, maybe a poor illustration, but there's uh, 180 million women in, in, in America or thereabouts, whatever the number is. But there's one lady that's called the First Lady. The President of the United States' wife is called the First Lady. And she's not the, the, the only lady. She's not, there's, there's 180 million other women, females, shall we say, or thereabouts. But she is the first of rank and first of of privilege, and some people don't like that, but that's, that's uh, she's married to the president of the, the most powerful nation in the world. Poor illustration, maybe, but it, it suffices to get the point across. This first begotten one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's supreme, supreme in rank and privilege. Write down two verses to you that would like to take notes in your Bible in regards to, to rebutting the idea that this Firstborn has to do with first, first conceived or first created, like the Jehovah's false witnesses say, and it means preeminent one. And let me give you two verses: Psalm eighty-nine, verse twenty-seven, Psalm eighty-nine, twenty-seven, and Jeremiah thirty-one, nine. For sake of time, I'm just going to go straight to Jeremiah thirty-one, nine. But there, the Bible says, "And Ephraim is my firstborn." Now let's see. Let's turn into Jeopardy Christian Jeopardy class. Uh, Joseph had two sons. He had. Two, two boys. The first, name, his first son was named, who was his first, his name was what? Manasseh. And his second son was who? Ephraim. But here in Jeremiah 31, 9, he's called, Ephraim is called the firstborn. Remember when the prophecy, the, 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 the blessing was given by Jacob or Israel? And uh, he said, uh, Ephraim is my firstborn. And, and, and uh, he got flack from his son. But no, Ephraim is the preeminent one. He's the choice one. Jesus has nothing to do with the time of being, or time of, time of creation. The Arians believe, the doctrine of Arius says that Jesus was the first created being of all things that were ever created. And then he began the creation process. That's not true. Because Jesus is. He's God is. He always has been. He always will be. He never, there were never a time when he was not. He is. And so he, Jesus never had a beginning. He's preeminent in every way. 
So what does this word firstborn mean? It means, it means in supremacy, in rank, and in privilege. Then uh, two subpoints underneath that. There's no one greater. Psalm 8, 48, hundreds of verses we could use for a text verse, but Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. There's the understatement of the day. Tim, you're great, but great is the Lord. Greater is the Lord. You're all great tonight, but great is the Lord. You know, he's greater than, America is great tonight, but greater, greater is the Lord. Uh, there's, no, there's no one greater, not only is there no one greater, but there's no one to compare him to. There's nobody, no comparisons. Exodus 15, verse 11, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is none, nobody, nothing. He is before all things. We're talking about God. Who can liken God to anyone but God? There are no comparisons. There's no greater. And so we see this He's first in every way. He's the absolute first in equality, in supremacy, in rank and privilege, and no greater, no, no, uh, no one to compare him to. And then not only is he he's the absolute first in supremacy and equality, but thirdly, on our worksheet, you that have your worksheets now, he's, there's no greater in priority. In priority. Now, two things about that. He's first in honor. Let me give you many verses could be used, but we use one for sake of time. Proverbs 3, 9. The Bible says there in Proverbs, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the, do you know the next word, by the way? First fruits of all thine increase. The tithe is the first 10%, not the last 10%. The, the first fruits, the best, it's the first, you honor the Lord with thy, your best. Give thy best to the master. Give the fruit of, you honor him first. We're to honor fathers on this coming Lord's Day Sunday morning. But we're to honor mothers on Mother's Day. But before we honor father, before we honor mother, before we honor anybody else, we have patriotic days in our country where we thank God for our veterans. and We thank God for our, those who paid the ultimate price and we might have freedom. The 4th of July is coming up and 5th of July in this case. And we'll honor those that died so that we could be free. But the first to be honored is none other than Jesus Christ. He's first in honor. Not only first in honor, but first in homage. Or we could say worship, but I had to keep the H thing going here. Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E. The reverence or respect or to be revered or to homage or to, to bow to or to, to uh, and be enthralled with or to worship, in other words. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye, what's it say? Seek ye, what? First, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first. That's right. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things shall be added unto you. See, he is, he is the dispenser and the, uh, the author and the finisher of all, everything that's good because he is preeminent. And so we, he's first in priority. He's first to receive our honor. I have to be careful here, but... Uh, I was just with somebody today, as a matter of fact, a senior citizen today, and uh, I made the mistake. I, I wasn't thinking. I, went, I reached out to shake his hand, and he, he backed away and gave me an elbow. I understand, and I, I forgot. I, I apologize. I said, I'm sorry. I, I'm so used to shaking hands still. I, 
been shaking hands all my life here, and so it's hard to get out of that habit sometimes. I didn't mean to be offensive, but I understood. And uh, uh, I wanted to give him uh, honor and respect, of course, and so forth. But uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So in priority. Then, then verse number 16, for time's sake. Notice if we could here, a quick review. He is first in every way, verse 15. He is absolute first. He's in equality and supremacy and priority. But then I want you to notice verse 16 now. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So he is creator of all, letter B. He is first of all in every way, letter A. He's second, he is creator of all. He doesn't share creation with Mother, mother Nature. He doesn't share creation with, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of this, the, the Force Be With You or the Star Wars stuff. He doesn't share creation with the, the, the gods of the Greeks or the Athenians or the, uh, who, or, or the Romans, of course not. He is the creator of all. Two things about that. He is the originator. He is the originator, big fancy word. He is the origin of all things. He is the, the inventor. He's the creator. He's the originator. One verse for time's sake, Hebrews, or rather Romans 11 and verse number uh, 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. He is the originator. I remember I used that text and I divert for just a few seconds. I remember many years ago, and some of you on the internet might remember, some of you, a couple of you in this auditorium might remember many years ago now, but it's been over 25 or thereabouts. We had a 10 year old, I could name his name, I was going to start getting emotional, I started thinking about it. Ten-year-old went to bed one night, and his daddy prayed with him before he went to bed, and he never woke up. He died, had a heart attack at ten years of age, and it was on a Wednesday morning, and Wednesday night I preached from this text right here, Romans chapter 11, verse 36, who hath known, or rather, uh, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever, Amen. And the preceding verse says, Who hath known the mind of the Lord? God is the giver of life, and he's the one that takes away life. It's in his hands. The life of our flesh is in his hands. He's the originator of life. He's the author and finisher of life. He's the Alpha and Omega. And so he's the originator. And so he deserves all the glory because all the all the preeminence because he's the creator and the originator. Then secondly, he's the, the, the word implies, the verse implies, not only is he the originator, but therefore, since he is the originator, he is the owner. My father planned it all. He's the owner of all, everything in the world. This is my father's world. Now I know, I used to not like that song because I used to think, wait a minute, the Bible says, in whom the God, small g of this world, hath blinded their minds. Satan has... This is his domain right now, this planet Earth. But the creator of heaven and earth and the 
The one that's going to come and clean up heaven and earth is going to be God Almighty. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to burn down, by the way, and loot and to, to, to uh, destroy. But Jesus came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And so I want you to know he is the, the owner. Acts 17, verse 28. For by him we live, only by his permission, we live and move and have our being. So we see in verse 15, he is first in every way. We see in verse number 16, I won't read it again for time's sake, he is creator of all. But then we get to verse 17, our last verse we're going to dissect in just a minute that we have. And he, there it is, that personal pronoun again, he is before all things, and by him all things consist or stay together. He is first in every way, he is creator of all, and he is the sustainer of all. Three things about that. He's the sustainer of all. First of all, he's the genius for everything. I wanted to take time, and this takes several more minutes, so I'm going to take time, but just jot down Job 38, if you would, please. And there we find out that the, the, the limits of nature, the symmetry of nature, the ocean has boundaries. Oh, I know we talk about global warming, and I don't want to get off this track, but, you know, Miami was supposed to be underwater here just a few years ago, according to one of our vice presidents of the United States. And uh, it's going to be drowned, and none of the sea levels are going to rise. Well, there's a barrier. It's called land. I know land comes and goes a little bit. I know there's something called Louisiana and New Orleans. I get it. I understand that. But God has his undeniable barriers. He has, his, he has the fowls of the air. He has the fish of the sea. He has the, the mammals and animals and so forth. And God is, has his creation. We read Job 38 as the answer to Job in that incredible chapter, 38 and 39, actually. We see the symmetry of God's genius of his nature and his creation. So he's genius for everything. He's the, the brains behind everything, we can say it that way, to be blunt. But not only is he the genius behind everything, but he is the glue of everything, the glue. And by him all things consist. I remember reading and studying in science class, and these, uh, I've got an oak pulpit here, oak wood. There's all these little oak molecules, all these little tree molecules that make this oak together here, this oak wood together. We get this microphone here, and it's this hole in place. But we have all this, in between all these atoms, there's air. And what keeps this microphone together? What keeps this pulpit together? Well, there's something called landon limb. I mean, L-A-M. Go, uh, don't Google, duck, duck, go that. Don't, no longer Google, duck, duck, go. Say that three times fast. Duck, duck, go. Duck, duck, go. <laughs> You'll get it later. I'll, I'll go back to that. I'm, I'm going to quit Google and I'm going to start duck, duck, going. And uh, I'm mad at Google. That's another day, another story. But don't Google, duck, duck, go, laminin, laminin, rather, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. And you'd be amazed what comes up. Just say, what is laminin? And see what comes up. And you'll see a... a probiotic or pro, uh, a protein molecule in the form of a cross. And it's invisible, and uh, I should have wrote it down. This is amazing, but these, all things consist. What keeps this pulpit together? What keeps this world together? What keeps me together? What keeps you together? 
God, Jesus Christ, he's glue of everything. He, he, he spake and it was formed. He spake and it was created. One day God can speak and he can dissolve it as well. We remain from dust, we can go back to dust, but one day there's going to be a literal bodily resurrection of the saved and unsaved, of course. I'll say that for another day, but he's the sustainer of all. He's genius, he's the glue. Lastly, he is all the glory. That's what this passage of Scripture, Colossians 1, 15 and 19, is talking about. He's all the glory. He's the preeminent one. He's the sustainer. He's the author and finisher, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end, the originator, the owner, the genius, the glue, the honor, the homage. There's no greater. There's no one to compare him to. There's nobody of greater rank or greater privilege. He is the icon, the express image of the, the, the absolute first prototype of God in the flesh. He's the absolute first. And so what do we learn from our text? And here's the punchline where we'll go into our prayer time tonight here. As a child of God, born again in Christ, because he is, we, I should have quoted Revelation 4 and verse 11. Let me do that now, and then we'll give you the punchline. Revelation 4, 11, the last verse of the chapter. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, he's the originator. He's the author. He's the owner. All things are created by him and for him, for his pleasure and glory. And we are to be to the praise of his glory. So finish the blank. What do we learn? As a child of God, born, in, born again in Christ, because he is, we will enjoy him. We will enjoy him for all, how long, class? For all eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. God, God, be, God with us, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. God with us, the God-man, the hope of glory. He is the preeminent one. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to go into our prayer time and be done here in just a few minutes. Here, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge tonight that you are our all in all. You are. You are life. You're everything. There's no thing without you. You're the preeminent one. You're the first and foremost. You're first in rank, first in supremacy, first in honor, first, to, first in homage. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship and serve. Lord, and you created us that we could be to the praise of your glory. And you created us for your, your, your pleasure, and you created us that we might enjoy you forever for an eternity. Oh, God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Lord, bless these within the sound of my voice, uh, literally, physically, and those, Lord, by, uh, by way of Internet. Lord, have a prayer, I pray a prayer of blessing on your children this evening, we pray. Pray for those who need to know Christ is their Savior, to be born again, uh, not by might, not by flesh, but by your Spirit, saith the Lord. Help us to walk in Christ, those that are in Christ, and those that are not in Christ, Lord, may they pray the sinner's prayer and receive Christ as Savior, even tonight, I pray. Blessed in our last minutes together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We're going to go into just a group.